0: Welcome to this episode of the Dog Tales podcast. I'm speaking today with a friend of mine, Tony Austin. Tony and I've been buddies for about 35 years, and I know that he's got a huge liking for all things dog. Tony's also a senior compliance officer for the rural city of Murray Bridge in South Australia. He's been doing that role for about 11 years, and clearly part of that role is animal control and enforcement activities. I believe they've got about 6,000 dogs in their care, so I'm just interested to hear a little bit about what that role entails and any other stories that Tone might have tucked under his belt. Welcome to this episode, Tone, and I'm really looking forward to chewing the fat.
1: Hello, Sherelle. Lovely to be here. Actually, you can probably hear one barking in the background. <laughs> uh, I've got two, two Aussie bulldogs here. One's ball's gone under the couch, and she's got the shits on, so... Uh, Tanya's coming out to get the ball out to make things better.
0: Excellent. Hi, Tanya.
1: Oh, she, she's just out there. I won't, I won't put her on. She's just in her 90s till Cheryl. Oh,
0: beautiful. <laughs> we won't embarrass Tan then, hey? Uh, it's
1: Sunday morning. You reckon she'd get dressed anyway.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, it's mid-morning, so...
1: No, two dogs. Well, one's a puppy, Frankie. She's uh, Charlie and Maddie's little girl. She's just walking through the sprinklers here and that'll probably get a rise out of Tanya to say that she's not allowed inside now. And um, Gertie's four and a half and like a lot of bulldogs, they're very ball orientated and quite different personalities. But, uh, yeah, they're both good friends. Uh, A dog's something that can be so happy you're going to have the worst day in the world and everything's gone to shits and uh, you walk through the door and little buggers have got their tail going at a million miles an hour and all they want to do is give you a cuddle so things get better when you have a dog
0: yeah yeah absolutely tone so you've had you said gertie for four years
1: yeah yeah we got yeah. gertie from a chuka from a breeder up there and she's been yeah she's a really uh she's just good fun pretty well behaved doesn't like the leaf blower. <laughs> um, has. Has problems with the leaf blower and Mr. Mister Whippy, that's their whip-stepper. Mm-hmm. And um, not big on Big Red, the lawnmower either. She's, um, or more often than not, will grab at a wheel and try and pull that over. So I think it's a bit of a trait with bulldogs that they don't like wheels or engines. Yeah, they have a crack at them. Yeah. But doesn't, yeah, not vicious towards anybody. Happy dogs. So, yeah.
0: Tone, tell me about Gertie because she's yours and And your other dog belongs to your daughter and her partner, you said. So tell me about Gertie's spot in the family. Well,
1: things uh, so when we got Gertie, and I've always been a country boy and uh, dogs sleep outside and all that sort of stuff, and we'd had pugs previously and they're stinky little bastards and they had to sleep outside because they just smelt too much. But uh, after a few (laughs) weeks, it became evident that uh, this precious flower needed to um, become a little bit more inside dog. And um, then started sleeping in the laundry and that progressed to our bedroom and then eventually onto our bed. But she's since regressed a little bit and she sleeps in her bed next to our bed. Very spoiled, Cheryl. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's uh, everything's got to be set up perfectly before she goes to bed. Um, Tanya will cover her over and she'll have a little pet, a little pet limo, a little pet sloth. So she has that. And bulldogs like to suckle. Like they like to actually put something in their mouth and suckle like a dummy. Really? um, Yeah, yeah. She puts this bloody uh, slothy thing, which is four years old. It's a bit manky, gets a few washes, but it stinks. Anyway. But she gets that each night and she sucks on the head of this uh, little lemur thing. Yeah, and I think it's pretty common with Bulldogs. They love to, uh, Aussie Bulldogs, to suckle on some. Yeah, because the other dog does too. Frankie does suckle on the arm of some bear. She's got, yeah. I guess uh, much, Very much number one in the family. I've I've sort of gone from uh, when Tanya and I first met from number one, uh, then Charlie (laughs) came along, so I became number three uh, and slipped down to I think I'm around six now, which is not too bad.
0: Oh, Tone, that's no good, mate. No good at all.
1: No, it is what it is, you know, you gotta know your place, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tone, tell me about is she very receptive to your moods in the house? Like do you if say one of you guys are having a rough day or something, do you feel her pick that up? Yeah, yeah. If I'm um yeah,
1: if I'm cranky or whatever, yeah, she will often just get herself in a position or go and get a toy, go yeah. and get her ball. Uh, and she'll just come up and she'll grab her ball and then start pushing the ball onto me, so oh, yeah,
0: wow. yeah,
1: and if I ever you know get the shits on a gun, shut myself in the side room, watch the cricket or the footy or whatever, next thing the door will be scratching, and she'll be coming in with the ball and that look that's very habitual, um and we, we play the ball game each night, but there's sometimes where I've you know um over the last few years with with uh like losing a few family members through different things, but Gertie's sort of been there the whole time, and and uh, a real good release. As I said, when they when you get home, their t- the tail's going; they're happy to see you. Um, but this ball thing, she she tends to know when I've got the shits on Cheryl, and she'll put nudge the ball. She won't give it to me, but she'll nudge it, and then I have to force it off her to in, to engage that playtime. So yeah. yeah, it clears my head a bit. Yeah, no, uh, look, I I don't know how people live without them. To be honest, I
0: yeah.
1: They must have empty lives. That's just me. Everyone needs a dog.
0: So, Tone, you said that you've actually, and look, it's up to you whether you'd like to speak about that, but you said you've lost some family members in the last couple of years. Obviously, she's, by the sounds of it, played a pretty big part in being by your side, ball or no ball.
1: Oh, yeah. Look, yeah, especially, I suppose, when Sal left us, Jody was only probably six months old, I reckon. He would go down the river and, go for swim and uh, every day she sort of grab a lead and off her go for a walk just a bit of, you know clear the head noise a bit. Um yeah. It was a we had someone come to our work and said, you know, you need to need to do that half an hour a day just to to clear the shit out of your mind at the end of the day, the you know, half an hour exercise, whatever you walk or go to the gym or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um yeah Gert was great what well, still is she loves her walk and um, you know, very, as I said, very habit forming. So she Sniff the same bushes. She, yeah, got to stop at the same trees every time we go around, I, I, you know.
0: Are they still um, alive, Tone? Yeah.
1: I mean, well, she doesn't piss on anything. She sort of, <laughs> there's the same dogs that bark at her and she's very bomb-proof, like she doesn't get distracted by other things. So, but, yeah, well, we would have done bloody 500 laps around that block and um, been a been a good uh, had noise clearer for me over the journey. And it's important to have that, I think. You're just that little house and um, Gert's been good. Frankie's just learning what to do. She's a bit more of a distracted dog being a pup too. So um, yeah. I try and walk them together. So when they when they walk along, Gert walks on a loose lead. Frankie's still learning not to pull on the lead. And But last night she sort of worked it out that trying to run away isn't going to work. <laughs> but, you know, and then you get... We'll be walking around the block and there's some absolute nutjob dogs that are just pulling on the lead and doing somersaults and circles and whatnot, and I'm glad our dogs are the way they are. I don't know that uh, walking a dog that's um, doing summies and yeah. trying to kill everything is going to be uh, something that's going to be that useful as far as, <laughs> as um, clearing the mind, sure. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me a bit more about that tone, that you know, that sense of needing to – Sitting, will she sit with you? You know, when you sometimes you're having a rough day and things are going down, you just sit. Will she just come and make a presence known if you're sad? We,
1: we, um, she got her spot, which is Frankie's sort of starting to take over a little bit. But they she pops herself up on the top of the couch, pops herself up on there, and she'll sit there and just watch. and, And then if you're laying on the couch, she'll uh, in the other room, she'll get herself between your legs and just laying between your legs. So they do like and. Pack animals are like it. They like to have that little bit of touch, uh, physical contact. And, yeah, she, Gertie's like that a lot. But Frankie, she's she's even more of a smoocher. She's just <laughs> got to be on you all the time. So, yeah, they're, they're good fun. i so, watching them now. Gert's got her ball and she's got it in the sprinkler because she loves the water. Frank's going round. So there might be a bit of a game
0: on here in a minute. Tone, just tell me a little bit about your background when you were working at the zoo and your love of all animals, let alone your beautiful Gertie. That's quite fascinating, your journey with, you know, at the zoo and the animals.
1: I, um, yeah, well, I started the zoo, in Adelaide Zoo in 93, so it's a little while ago. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to get a position as a keeper and work with all sorts of animals. Natives, well, I didn't work with birds much. Birds bore me mm-hmm. terribly. Mm-hmm. So, oh, they're nice to look at them. Yeah, that's about as far as it goes, but kangaroos and wallabies, and then was lucky enough to get a position out at Monado Zoo where it's more bigger hoofstock, lions. We got lions later on, but lions, cheetahs, uh, some some carnivores, but the hoofstock were my, what I really enjoyed, and bison, giraffes, zebras, and some other things that people wouldn't even know, um, Brasowski horses, nil guy, which were, they were nutjobs, adax, and all they wanted to do was kill you. Mm-hmm. um oryx a beautiful scimitar horned oryx a lovely beast but again not very friendly but my real love was uh white rhinos that you know two and a half tongue animal that uh, you know they're really like a they've got a the nature of a dog in a lot of ways they're very much a, oh, wow. a friendly friendly beast that wants a pat really oh yeah they just love a scratch yeah you get them up by the by the fence and they just stand there and yeah, got a few spots around the ears and you know under the belly and stuff like that that they actually really love a pat. So yeah, rhinos probably the, the gentler of all the zoo animals, I reckon.
0: Isn't that probably. interesting that you know we all need that connection of warmth and you know that it's like there's no words between you obviously and the rhino, but we all need that connection with something gentle. Yeah, oh, they're good fun.
1: Rhinos are really good. I I work with them for oh. Well, at least 10 years, I reckon. I went to Africa in 2002 yeah. and um, we did a five-animal import into Monado and to Dubbo Zoo. And I think all of those animals are still kicking around. I know I have to – ended up going back up to Dubbo uh, as part of a breeding program. But I, I've been out of the game now 12 years. Sure. Uh, and uh, I, I miss them. I don't miss anything else about zookeeping. keeping. It, it's a bit glorified, to be honest. It's it's a you know it's a good fun job. I really enjoyed enjoyed it for probably fifteen years. The last two years just became um, I don't know my use by date
0: became uh, evident. I reckon. So, but um, isn't isn't that yeah, Tony something yeah. that that's really important to recognise? I reckon as well that it doesn't matter what. Career or what you're in, if you can self-reflect enough to realize that, yeah, there is a use-by date on this, and you don't love it as much. It's oh, a really yeah. powerful yeah. thing to be able to acknowledge that, and then look further afield to what to where you need to head. Because sometimes I reckon we can get stuck in. We think it's safe. We don't think we've got the nows to do anything else. We're scared of change. That's
1: that's very correct in my case. Like I. I'd probably stuck at it too long and become a bit of a pain in the arse to anyone I worked with, to be honest, Sherelle. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, like I just, sorry, I'm just changing my sprinklers over here. I'll just put a little bit of, dirt. my other great passion, Sherelle, is lawn. You know that? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, good. So, yeah, I think that the fact that, and lucky enough, you know, I'm a pretty social person and got another job quickly, so, um, yeah, I wasn't, Zookeeping was never a money thing because you just didn't get any. Right? So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like you were hanging around for $250,000 a year. It's like, well, I don't actually earn anything here. So if I go and um, get a labourer's job, well, I'm going to be in front anyway. So I just needed to, and again, that whole head noise thing of, I'd drive through the gate and I'd be a pain in the ass. So mm. coming back from long service, I said to Tana, oh, I don't need to do this anymore. She said, right, I'll get another job. So I got another job and left. So yeah, Yeah. it's
0: good. Yeah, Yeah, but I think sometimes we get stuck in thinking that we can't move on or that we can't, you know, find something else that's especially when you get to, you know, the tender age of where we are now, like Mm. mid-50s. Yeah, mid-twenties. There's always the opportunity to create again. And 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 you know, it's it's a good spot when you get to mid-50s because you kind of feel like you're a grown-up now and that you can make some choices, you know. It takes you forever to get there, but it's pretty cool when you get there. So, yeah, to be able to recognise that I think is really important. You know, I had a similar situation being in nursing and then paramedicine, and I knew that there was a use-by date for me because if I didn't love it 100% and couldn't put in 100%, then I needed to look at that. Even though it's frightening to to change over to something else, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: intimidating. In- New jobs are,
0: aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And then if I'm not that, if I'm not the zookeeper, if I'm not the first responder or whatever, what am I? Who am I? Uh, that was that was part of that
1: with me with because I've been a zookeeper for 17 years and everybody knew me as that, people that I knew. Mm-hmm. And there is that, I don't know, that sort of, oh, you're a zookeeper, how cool. Yeah, I spend five to six hours a day picking up shit. Yeah, yeah it's great, yeah, uh, in 45-degree heat and raging winds, you know, or freezing cold. No, it's a terrific job, yeah. but it wasn't bad fun. But, yeah, and then luckily enough for me, um, I worked, for a, worked as a car salesman for Dutton's Automotive, beautiful beautiful family company in Murray Bridge. Mm-hmm. They gave me a role and then um, picked up uh, a job as a animal management officer with the council, which, you know, and as I said to you before, I, before we started this, uh, I had seventeen years as a zookeeper, but dogs have always been my favourite animal. Yeah. So, being able to become uh, Murray Bridge's fourth best dog catcher, as I tell everybody, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's been good fun. And you know, and dogs, are, every dog's the same, all right. They, they all look differently and they all behave differently, but every dog wants a pat. Yeah. And every dog wants a, a nice family to live in. Yeah, and unfortunately that doesn't happen all the time. So there are some dogs that we get that have got some behavioural issues, but that's, that's not the dog's fault. It's uh, It all comes back to how the pup was brought up and, um, you know, genetics plays a little bit of a role in some of this, but you know, the major major thing is just the the, the strength of the, the bond that the dog has with its owner and uh, whether it's been respected and taught and so then they've got, you know, all the right things going forward to be a good dog in society. Yeah. Yeah. Some dogs are just delinquent dogs that haven't had that and there's some dogs that we just we can't put back into society because they're, they're damaged, they're scarred and... Um, and they're not safe, and we can't predict how their behaviour is going to go. So that's the hard part of the job, best part of the job, getting the dog home to its owners when it accidentally gets out and the emotion that you see.
0: Yeah. And
1: 99% of the owners are very happy to to get your dog home. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I bet. We get get a few that aren't overly the disease because we do, you know, we have that regulatory role within local government that we have to hand out those fines for those people that um, their dogs get out and wander at large and if they're repeat offenders, they'll get a fine, you know, registration, they get fines for that. That's the hard part about it. But, no, most most people are good, happy to hear from us if their dog gets out.
0: So back to Gertie for a minute. What would be yeah. the quirkiest thing do you think that she does that just absolutely just cracks you up, Tone?
1: Well, I'm watching her at the moment. I'm sitting out by the pool, <laughs> right? She's got, now people tell me dogs are colour okay? I'm not 100% sure on that. Right. She's got five or six balls, which are all the same shape and size, but she's got two red balls here. And her pain in the ass thing she does is she'll drop the ball in the pool, so I have to get up and get the ball out and throw it for her. Of
0: course she does.
1: Right, so now she's got two balls in the pool because I'm sort of sitting here doing not much. So, But she will know which ball she's playing with. So all these balls are all the same shape, same sort of ball, all from – Woolies or whatever, and she's got five or six in the backyard, but she'll pick out one particular ball that she wants to play with, right, and there's an orange one and a red one in the pool at the moment. She's playing with the orange one. I'll get the red one out and throw it for her and she won't chase it. She'll oh. wait for me to get that. Uh, I'll get the red one out, sorry, and she'll wait for me to get the orange one out. She's a, um, yeah, cheeky beast.
0: So she knows more than she's letting
1: on, I'd say. Oh, she'd be smarter than me, but that's not a high bar. Um, <laughs> tone. <laughs> well, I'm the one that gets the ball out for her all the time, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know, I don't know who's, who's cleverest here. That's that's one of her funny little things she does. Yeah, she'll give you, when you walk in, she'll she'll give you a little when you walk in the door. That's another little funny thing she does.
0: You know, they just love us no matter what. Yeah,
1: they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they
0: do. And you can tell them off, right?
1: And five minutes later, they're up on your knee wanting a smooch. Whereas kids, they'll go and lock themselves in the room for the next two hours and sulk. We all know that. We all know that feeling. Try and hand out a bit of discipline to a family member rather than the dog. Well, the dog forgives you straight away. Okay, no worries. Let's move on. But um, no, not so much the family member.
0: (laughs) So do you reckon she was an absolute staple for you in these last few years then, especially being isolated and the whole hoo-ha of the last couple of years? Just being able to, yep. to have that connection and the warmth.
1: Yep. Oh, sorry, Sherelle. The other dog's just helping herself to the silver beet in the garden bed here at the moment. Oh, lovely. Frankie. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I, I know that the shelter's emptied out pretty well during COVID, and, and I get that. Like, I, I really do get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And luckily enough, we haven't seen that flow on effect back into our pounds and shelters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or maybe a little bit in Adelaide. I think they're pretty full with dogs that have, they get out and people don't want to pay the fines, so they end up just, saying, okay, well, the RSPCA can rehome it somewhere else, which is sad. But I think for us, having Gert and now Frank, COVID sort of disappeared to a degree in the emotional side of people's lives. People still getting COVID, but it's not the not on the news every second minute like it was. Yeah. But dogs dogs just give you that out. They really do. Like that time you could go for your – and I know in Victoria it's a lot stricter than South Australia. You go for that hour, walk or whatever. Everyone would have had their dog out
0: because mm-hmm.
1: that was the only time the dog could get some exercise. We sort of saw a a bit of a pick-up in dog barking complaints here because people are home more. Sure. So they hear these dogs and working from home, so they hear these neighbourhood dogs barking and (laughs) want us to deal with it as officers. That's interesting.
0: I'd never actually thought about that. There you go. Yeah, people working from home. I know I've got it.
1: A good mate, Tom Robinson, in uh, Melbourne City Council, and they have a lot of dogs in housing apartments, like those higher-density living, and and they got a shitload of complaints because people working from home, they they didn't realise that these dogs barked all the time during the day because they're at work. So they had a bit more of an acute spike than what we did. We had a few more, but it wasn't too
0: bad. But I know in Adelaide they did have a lot more because people were home and and, um, dogs were pissing them off more. do you you reckon people have actually learnt more about their dogs and have a little bit more consideration for interesting what am i trying to ask um you know just that you've said they didn't owners didn't realize how much their dogs were barking when they weren't home do you think there's been a recognition in people and more of an appreciation for their dogs
1: it's really common that people don't know their dogs bark because people work and they don't they're not here so you you contact someone and say, look, we've had a complaint about your dog barking. No, my dog doesn't bark at the, you know, don't say, so, well, I don't know, I don't live here, but um, we've got a complaint about your dog barking. So a lot of people possibly don't have that insight. See, dogs get quite anxious. Like yeah. anyone that's alone, dogs can't get on the phone and talk to someone. Got to, no, the, no. The only way of expressing themselves is to dig holes, destroy things or bark. Yeah. So nice, relaxed dogs will be fine. Some dogs in situations they possibly shouldn't be. You know, you've got your working dogs that are put in small yards. And they can be problematic. Highly sort of attuned dogs like, like your Shepherds and uh, Marimas. Um, these types of dogs are the very property protective dogs that any sort of, sort of enhanced noises or whatever, they'll bark at. And that's the only way of saying there's something wrong is to bark. Yeah. Now, that connection that people have with their dog when the dog when they're home but the dog's probably relaxed. So it's, sure. um, you know, I'm no animal behaviourist, but, I, you know, it doesn't pay much to work out that if you've got a, got a kelp in a yard that's used to chasing sheep around or being active all the time and it's expected to behave itself while mum and dad are at work for 10 hours a day, then that's a big ask of an animal that, you know, it's bred to do what it's supposed to do and that's just her to stop. When people get dogs, you want to make sure that the dog is specifically designed for where you live and what your lifestyle is. Yeah. Because they they can, and it's not the dog's fault, it's the fact that their mum and dad, they've got a small yard and the dogs need to exercise and if they don't give it, well, then it becomes destructive or noisy. The dog will give them all those hints, but the dogs are smarter than a lot of humans we do with. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. we do with some smart dogs and not so many
0: smart people. Anyway. Like I've been down here in Torquay on the beach for the last six months, and I've just observed the most incredible connections with owners and dogs, and and then down at the cafe, you know, the dogs meet the dogs, and then the people meet the dog, and then the people meet the people, and so they they've got this incredible ability to bring people together, and it's just been fantastic to watch just the yeah, connection dogs, between people. Up. Yeah. They're magnets, you know. they
1: I'm I'm hopeless. Though. I get told off all the time by my family. You can't just go up and pat the dog. Dad, <laughs> Charlie will tell me. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Been doing it all my life. Okay. Yep. If the dog's wagging his tail is happy to have a have a pat. That's fine. I always ask. But um you can't just go up, and, you know. Yeah. People are happy for you to pat their dog. 99% of people are very proud of their dog. Now the dog to be a fair prick. Like it can be an absolute bastard of a dog, but these people are still very proud of their dog because it's their baby, you know, yeah. even if it does have poor behavior, they, they still love it. Dog, dogs are great connectors, they really are. Gert is one of those ones. I often take Gert into work. Oh, um, do you? Counselor. Yeah, and we do have a bring your dog day into council, but I sort of go around that a little bit and just. I'll bring her back at lunchtime. i bring her in for half an hour and she goes around and she she knows her way around and she knows where she's going to get a pat from the dog lovers in the building. Oh. She goes into the planning area and there's a couple, this oh, Anita, um, the, my manager's PA, she's a, a big dog lover. She had bulldogs as well and then Nicole, one of the planners, she's happy to get dog hair all over at any time of the day. And you know, <laughs> Then I had um, one of the communications girls the other day Say, so, oh Tony, when you're bringing the dogs back in, you know, just actually asked me straight out to bring the dogs in for her to see. So, people do connect. And Dirty and Frankie now are both pretty affable dogs. You know, they don't jump up on you; they just sit down and they love a pat. If you've got something bouncing around a million miles an hour on the end of a lead, they're not quite as attractive to pat as something that's just wagging its tail and looking up at you and wants a smooch.
0: For sure, and even just when I think back to the peer support dogs within Ambulance Victoria, having been a paramedic, that connection and, you know, when people can't actually – they're feeling a lot of stuff and they can't speak, but you pat that dog and you open that that space of safety to maybe be able to communicate, you know, and you don't know whether – even if you're walking up the beach or you're in at work, you don't know if one of your colleagues has just had a really rough time at home or there's something going on. But in that minute that they can connect with that dog, it's an opening for if they feel that they, they want to speak or, you know, it's a connection. Yeah. That's just so powerful. Dogs
1: are cool. You see someone walking up the street. You always look at their dog and always look at their dog before I look at the person <laughs> else. No, so, I wonder what that is. I wonder if that's friendly. Yeah. Been doing this for 11 years and had dogs since I was born. And so Toby the sheepdog, that was Uncle Bill's dog. Well, he bit me. So the old man wasn't too happy with that. So old Toby had to go back out the farm. Then we had Princess. She was a cocker spaniel. We had her for 14 years. And fox terriers are a little bit disposable. Like they just um, such a gregarious animal that they get themselves in more strife. And back in, you know, the '70s and '80s, what dogs weren't really contained or managed like they are now. Yeah. So we lost one to a rat bait. One was a snake. Foxies didn't last too long at the Austin household. They're a bit too. <laughs> gregarious, you know, going a bit too interested in other things. Yeah. I best, she was a curly retriever. She was a lovely dog. I had Yarni, bought a collie kelpie. He was a fair prick. He was a pain in the ass, old Yarny. I loved him, but he only had one up. He <laughs> old Yarny, and I don't know, don't know whether he just never settled. It was probably my fault because he was a Border collie kelpie in a city yard, so bark barked too much and become aggressive. And so old Yarni, yeah, he been by him, took him on, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Then who else? So we had um, Buddy and uh, Lizzie, two yeah. pugs. Then we had two more pugs, Buzz and Cleo. Now, Cleo, was she was the loveliest dog, but she had skin irritations and a, she was a manky old bugger, she was, but she – and but stink. Oh, God, she stuck. Anyway, <laughs> but now we've got these two. So, yeah, that's that dog's all my life. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Tanya's told me that we'll have Aussie Bulldogs from now on, so well, a change of breed. That's awesome. All different, all different dogs too. All all different natured. These two are probably as placid as we've had, I reckon. So, would you do life without them? No, 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 no. I couldn't. Well, it's sort of like a bit of a security blanket, aren't they? Really, like Tan being a paramedic, she's nights, and the kids are building their own house, so the house is going to be reasonably empty mm-hmm. soon. But you need that other soul around you. I reckon. I reckon that. Well, they bring comfort, and you know, and you'll see a lot. And we we see it now in society and people that are homeless, more than not got a dog because it gives them that bit of sort of something to hang on to, that physical being to hang on to. Yeah, now the warmth and the regular, comfort. Yeah. yeah. From a regulatory services side of things, they're often not registered and not managed as well as they should, but I'd always say that you know, it may be the only living thing that that human has got a connection to.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, so as much as the person... Might look rough and ready, and you know you think, oh, he's not looking after his dog or whatever. That dog is the most important thing to that person on the planet because it's not registered. Does that does that really matter? Yeah. As long as it's not running around biting everyone and causing a ruckus, you know, we probably have to accept the fact a little bit that this is a very very strong connection for that person that doesn't have much.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And also, Tone, you know, you've got people that live alone, that are elderly, and that oh, yeah. that dog is their absolute world. It's the love of their life. It's that unconditional love. It's the comfort.
1: They are a strong connection. They really are. I don't think I could go too long without a dog. No. They break your heart when they leave you. There's no doubt about that. But they're family members and they're just good fun. And they are very good when you're sitting on the couch and you're on your own or whatever. They're good fun. Keep me entertained, Sherelle.
0: Yes. So, Tone... <clears throat> Just before we wrap this up, what if you had something that you wanted to tell Gertie from your heart and you knew that she could hear you, what would that be? I, look,
1: I suppose that the fact that she's possibly the most loved thing other than the family, the thing that I do the most for other than the family, I suppose. You know, she'll always be safe, oh. not to worry about anything.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: Not every dog lives. Uh, in, a, in a pink fluffy bed next to their owner and snores its ass off and farts regularly during the evening and <laughs> doesn't get reprimanded for it, does it? You know? <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> I think Frank's a better farter than Gert but, uh, and probably probably a better snorer, but Gertie, yeah, yeah, she can hit the high notes. She's nearly better than Tanya. So. <laughs>
0: God
1: bless. I think that she will always be safe. It's something that's always in the back of my mind because, still in the job I do, not every dog is friendly to other dogs, and it's always in the back of my mind when another dog is approaching. us, okay, how would I deal with this if this dog had a crack at dirty? All the things that I think I do have probably not happen because you love them unconditionally, don't you? You know, they just—they're yeah. just, there every day. They're not hungover in bed, <laughs> not not giving you much after a big Saturday night, are they? They're always friendly and happy on a Sunday, but yeah. it's not always not always the case. But look, both of them. Gertie and Frankie, they, and w- look, we got an extended dog family too with Tan's mum and dad. They've got, oh, her name's Ruby. We call her peanut because that's about how big she is. She's a little, oh, I don't even know what she is. She looks like a chihuahua cross, but she's something else, I think, um, some other some other designer breed. And then Jodie and Rob have got a bulldog as well. So, you know, we've got a, an extended dog family, and they're all the same. They are all they all sleep inside, all in their little blankets and all pampered more than the, the son-in-laws at least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Hang on, I'll just get this ball out of the pool again. They're such a big thing and, and I, I, you know, I am lucky to work with them as well. The family ones are the most important ones, aren't they? Yeah. You got a dog, Cheryl?
0: No, when growing up, certainly did. And the boys have got their dogs but for me, doing a lot of shift work and what have you too hard because they're long, long hours and you're moving around. I've always had cats. They're a little easier to leave for a night or whatever if you have to on a night shift and all those sorts of things. The amazing connections and the beauty of the dogs and their owners warms my heart and to speak to people and just hear their stories about what their dogs mean to them and what they mean to their dogs.
1: You know, you could chat to, to Tanya and she she pampers the dogs more than me. So, um, yeah, they're an important part of the Austin household. They yeah. really are. Yeah. And like Tan said, we'd never be without the bulldog now. Yeah. Um, just what Gertie's been able to give us. And obviously now Frankie's given us. So yeah. both wet and shag and Frank's laying on the deck just one tooth up over the lift and Gert's still playing with her orange ball. <laughs> and uh, Terrell, can I give you a bit of a tip
0: on yeah, dogs? Yeah, sure.
1: If you've ever got a constipated dog, all right, mow the lawn. Right. Because uh, there's every chance within five minutes there'll be two fresh turds laying on it.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. I'll pass that one on, Tone. I'm just looking at my lawn right now and I mowed it five minutes before I spoke
1: to you and uh, there's two red hot steamers just looking straight at me. So.
0: Right. Well, there you go. That was an easy fix for the constipation. Uh, all right Tone thank you it's been awesome to catch up and thanks for your insight and wisdom into the the dogs I hope I haven't bored you too much no (laughs) all right thanks so much Tone